Wait, I gotta, I gotta go get my lady great tea. Okay, I'll be back in. Uh, Wait, what? And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in like thirty seconds. But I need my, I need my, uh, my hydration. Maybe I'm gonna pick up a strawberry Perrier as well, cause, you know, I'd offer you one, but you know, you're in New York, so bad choice. There's so much to unpack. There, so much to unpack, dear listener. Welcome to ADSP, the podcast, episode 43, recorded on September 11th, 2021. My name is Connor, and on today's episode with my co-host Bryce, we talk about parallel scans and what the associativity requirement on binary operations actually entails, as well as NASA plants, Ramanujan numbers, and more. Oh, see, I, I I bet you expected me to be late, and that's why you weren't ready on time. Um... Well, let's let's talk about this, Bryce. You've been late thirty three minutes once, twenty eight minutes once. <laughs> you know um, the, the the group that I used to play Magic the Gathering with in uh, in California. Th- there were, may have been a few times where I was confused about whether we started at six p.m. or seven p.m. on on Friday nights, and so I showed up an hour late, and so they they. They, of course, never let me forget it, and they started using Bryce as a verb to mean late. You know, so somebody would be like, oh, I'm going to be five minutes, or not as a verb, as a whatever part of speech it would be. I'm going to be five minutes Bryce. Um, yeah. Um, wait, so, so, so you, you just, you just, uh, you just um, indicated that I was missing out for having moved to New York, like, yeah. but I'm closer to where you are, so it would be more practical now for you to send to share a drink with me than it would have been when I was in California. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. That's true. Were, were you just suggesting that I made the wrong decision in not deciding to relocate to Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. All right, here, listeners. Usually I would mute this. This is the sound of a strawberry Perrier being opened. It's gonna be it's gonna be magnificent. You ready? Here we go. Actually, that was pretty bad. That was pretty, I'm gonna cut that out. Or maybe no, I'll go get another. Maybe, maybe oh, I'll what, go get what, another strawberry Perrier later. My, uh, what you're gonna re-record that? You're gonna redo that? No, I mean these things are only 250 milliliters. I'm gonna pound through this in like 30 um, seconds. And my stuff is here organized boxes well all my boxes are here i I do have a bed yep our listeners are informed of uh all of your furniture (laughs) and my furniture that for that matter we're keeping our keeping uh the listener hey yeah yeah there you go good (laughs) one i i i I told connor i told connor that uh we should start referring to our when we, when we break the fourth wall and, and talk directly to you the listener that we shouldn't talk about you the listener in the plural we shouldn't say you know uh, audience you know insert some fact about connor here that i want to tell you directly or something like that no instead i should directly address you specifically you yes you <laughs> whoever's listening to this right now because it creates a more personal experience. 
to the podcast. Yep. I picked up that a lot of the big podcasts um, do this. Should we just assume also that everyone we talk about is a listener? So when we mention like, you know, Tony's name, we just say, hey, Tony, how's it going? Um, oh, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> because because e- e- either they're listening and they feel special or they're not listening. And then we have a chance to, to guilt them over it later. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. that's how we should grow our uh, listener base is through emotional manipulation uh, it is it is, it is what people are known for <laughs> so we gotta we gotta start things off by addressing the first ever adsp the podcast twitter poll which was obviously if you're a, a I, listener, I, I am unfamiliar with this it uh when bryce uh, previously had said uh, quote any civilized person knows what a credenza oh, is I, now i do know now i do know what's happening <laughs> I posted the question, so I wasn't sure if I should I should have posted it. I have heard of, or I have not heard of, um, like just a true false sort of thing. But I opted for like the balderdash. Let's make up things. Um, so I put four options. What is a credenza? A pastry, B luxury car, uh, C furniture, and D clothing. In last place with four point seven percent was a luxury car. And I should also give myself some credit that when I said it sounded like a Ferrari credenza, I think the reason why a bunch of people knew what this was is because they're Italian. And it's an Italian word, and uh, luxury cars mostly come from Italy yeah. and, Germ- well, and Germany, not to you, offend our German Did you listeners. capitalize credenza in the poll? Because if you didn't, then obviously people would be like, well, yeah, it can't be a luxury car because otherwise it would be capitalized. Oh, yeah, good point. It was not capitalized. Yeah. I, I, I done messed up. Um, all right, all right. So that was four. What was three? Uh, in third place was clothing at 11.2%. I really should have, instead of putting clothing after the fact, I realized I should have put bicycle, but that's okay. In yeah, third place, bicycle, yeah. in third place with 21.3% was pastry. I'm not sure if that says more about people thinking it's a pastry or people thinking that if this is something about Bryce, it's a pastry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which that means that uh, in first place with 62.7% was furniture. So that means, what is that, 37.3%? I'm pretty sure that you just, that, that you switched the place ordering the system that you were using in between the second place and the last one. Because you said in third place was pastry and then in first place was furniture. Oh, my bad, yeah. So fourth, fourth was luxury car. Third was clothing, second was pastry, and uh, first was furniture. So yeah, a grand total. If my math is my math is correct, thirty-seven point three percent of people are uncivilized. So I think you well, owe I, the listener thirty-seven point three percent of the listener an apology, Bryce. No, 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 no. I, I, I just want to say, dear listener, um, I'm I'm really glad for the sixty-seven uh, percent of you that are civilized. Six, Sixty-three. 63. Well, you're not rounding up to two-thirds there, buddy. You don't get to do that. <laughs> also, this doesn't make, it doesn't work if we're referring to the listener with a poll where how many people responded? It's like 10. Oh, 169. Wow, that's uh, 13 that's squared. That's pretty good. Why do you know that? Why do you know that? <laughs> uh, doesn't everyone? Well, I don't know. Like math well, I just assume, have like all of their... Uh, their squares. Why did you? I like how you not only knew that, but you felt the need to just share it with the world right now. I mean, how often do you come across the number 169? You know, 
I don't know, but I have a feeling that somewhere you have some spreadsheet where you've written down every time you've come across. No, <laughs> no. It's just like like I've never come across like the number 343 just like as a figure. Um, but that's like my one of my favorite numbers. That's seven cubed. <laughs> what are some of your other favorite numbers? Well, we already t- well 42, 1729, 4104, anything that's a Ramanujan number. Uh, yeah, I'm am so, so bad when I write uh, when I write tests. There's a surprising number of tests that I write where the value 1742 or 3.14 is used mm. as a as as some value um, for testing purposes. <laughs> like uh, if you if you look through a bunch of uh, you know tests in a code base that I've worked on and you see those numbers, it was probably me that did it. Yeah, that's uh, it's uh, yeah. A lot of times when I'm just messing around, forty two and seventeen twenty nine are the the numbers yeah. that I that I throw in. Why twenty nine? Um, or 1729. So it's uh, 1729 is the first Ramanujan number. What? Which what? is. <laughs> what is I, cover, I covered this in a CPPCon talk, which means Bryce doesn't watch my talks. Um, also, uh, Stefan Lawawade, uh in the same CPPCon of 2019, he snuck a bunch of 1729s in, which I pointed out uh, in, in, in the same conference at my talk that was later in the week. So. There's a movie called well Ramanujan is a famous mathematician. Yeah, I knew that. Um, and there's a movie called uh, is it The Man Who Knew Everything? Something like that. Um, uh, Dev Patel plays Ramanujan, and uh, it's all they're also known as taxicab numbers, but they're numbers they're numbers that are uh, expressible two different ways as the sum of two cubes. Um, so there's this famous anecdote from history where Ramanujan is getting out of a taxicab. Um, and his advisor, I'm not going to remember his name. Um, there's Littlewood, and then there's one other guy. Um, and he says, "Oh, that's." He remarks, "That's not a really intriguing number." And then Ramanujan goes, "What are you talking about? 1729. It's, it's a number that is expressible two different ways as a sum of two cubes. And it's so it's it's uh, ten cubed plus nine cubed, and I believe uh, I can't remember one cubed plus." Uh, thirteen cubed, maybe something like that. Why? Why taxi cab? Because because Ramanujan was getting out of a taxi cab where the taxi cab number was seventeen twenty nine, um, and that's where the that's where they got given his name. Um, that wall behind you needs like a a picture. It's something. It's it's sad right now. It's sad and lonely. I mean. I will give you that it is lonely in my place. I wouldn't say it's necessarily sad. Uh, I've got, I've got like eight plants. I've got like a little garden, a greenhouse in my 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 yeah, apartment. I, I have, a I have no plants. I'm very, I'm very, you know, like some people, some people move to New York and they're like, oh, like there's, you know, I, I, I miss having like a place to go outside. I miss having a backyard. That's not me. <laughs> I'm very happy in my sterile. <laughs> apartment that has nothing living in it aside from me yep it's uh i don't know you should get some nasa nasa plants i know it's nasa java java uh nasa nasa um the nasa approved plants that like uh they they clean oxygen at like super did you freeze or are you just very still you know just very still (laughs) i'm just very still (laughs) um anyways enough about plants we also so we have to talk about 
we have to talk about the associate. So this this is going to get a bit technical. I apologize to listeners for if this becomes really boring. Uh, 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 you don't apologize to listeners now, do you? Uh, yes, we apologize to you, the listener. <laughs> we got to be the only podcast where there's two co-hosts and one pings them. Hey, hey, we got to stop referring to them in the aggregate. We got to singular. Let's, let's connect with them more one on one. And then it becomes just meta because the first episode we're recording, 30% of our discussion is like, no, 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 Connor. What did we talk about? We talked about that there's only one listener. You hear that? He's listening or she's listening. They're listening right now. There's only one of them. Um, <clears throat> we got to stay. All right. Here we go. So what happened? Seif. C-E-A-F, it's going to be a big deal, Combinator-enabled algorithm fusion. It's going to be the foundation upon which potentially a programming language will be written in the future. Is this the programming language that when you started working at NVIDIA, I told you you were going to write, and you gave me an incredulous look and did that thing where you giggle and laugh? That, uh, as far as I can recall, never happened. I'm not sure what you're talking about. (laughs) There were witnesses. Giggling is not something that I believe I'm capable of. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spare you, <laughs> dear listener, from me repeating the story again of the time that Connor giggled at the mention of Sean Parent. But continue. Okay, okay. Uh, that's fair. Um, but anyways, I posted... I posted, so actually what happened is on the most recent, or was it two episodes of a Raycast ago, um, at the tail end of it, I had mentioned the possibility of like building an array language that uh, took advantage of the fact that if you built it up of primitives and you knew all the properties, algebraic properties of the primitives, like if whether they're associative or commutative, you could like fuse your operations down to whatever, the bare minimum of what needed to be done. And then on top of that, if it was like a reduction at the end of the day, you would know that the um, like combination or composition of all those binary operations, you'd know the associativity or commutativity of it. And then let me get his name right. Troll Henriksen, I believe. Trolls Henriksen. I apologize if I'm pronouncing incorrectly your name. We went back and forth on Twitter a tiny bit. And so Trolls is uh, the – I'm not sure if he's the creator um, but he is working on the Futhark language, which is like a GPU slash Haskell slash sort of functional programming um, language. And basically at one point, he asked for some example code. I posted that example code. And then his response was that operation is not associative. And let me find that. Yeah, and, show, show and, me this operation. And, and so th- what I thought was that Basically, the binary operation had a pair as the left argument of the binary operation and just a single element of for the right argument. So it's not it's definitely not commutative. And based on his definition, it made sense to say that it wasn't associative, but it was the same pattern that we had when we were solving that maximum consecutive ones. And the way we solved that was by creating a function object in the form of a struct that uh, op- that overloaded the function call operator like three or four different times for dealing with the different cases of do I have sort of that information st- like information struct and a single element or do I have two like information structs on the left and right? Yeah. Um, so it dealt with the cases of like am I doing my first little pass on a chunk of the array 
and building up the information and then doing like the down the down sweep and the up sweep. But like, does that not qualify as associative? Well, so, so I'm, I'm looking at your Godbolt example here. Which um, which operator are we talking about? Is it the one in the K function or the K2 function or the scan reduce lift function? But I wonder whether maybe him and us are working from a def- different a different definition of what associative means. Um, if you look at either K2. Yeah. Um, K2 is the easiest because it's not split into that scan reduce lift thing. So basically what, what we're looking at, just so that we're not just randomly talking about some Gobbolt example, is we're looking at three different solutions to Cadane's algorithm. And um, Cadane's algorithm is a solution to solving the maximum uh, subarray sum problem. So if you're given a uh, list of numbers that are negative and positive, what's the longest contiguous sequence of elements such that it maximizes the sum of that uh, subarray? So just do a proof. Like, it, j- just, you, 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 you took a, you must have taken a, a class in college where you did proofs, right? Mm, I took discrete mathematics, uh, but yeah. Here, let me send you the tweet that Trolls sent. Yeah. Um, like, I, th- I think that's the easiest way to, um, to think this through, is to just sit down and write out a proof. Um, maybe we can even do that now. So, you know, essentially you... you, you um, what but that's you- the thing. I think I think his point is that so if you click that tweet it'll it'll bring you that I sent it in the chat. It it yeah. says how can f of x so f that takes two parameters where the first one is x and the second one is f of y and z be the same as uh if you switch the f of x or f of f of x and y comma z if they have diff- they have different types. But he, that's the thing is like, he's, yeah, well, 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 you know, I think he's, he's going along the same logic that I'm going along that, that, that statement that he has there in his tweet, um, that's what you want to, 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 to prove, um, you know, just, just, just take your, um, take your operator and plug it in and see what happens. Well, so so that's why I'm getting back to the maximum consecutive ones problem. So if you haven't listened to that, that was a couple episodes, actually. But the one where we really dive into it, and then it's called the loss reduction episode 25. I was going to say, don't you recall that, like, in that function object, like, you, we have overloaded the function yes. call operator. And, and, and that, that's, that's where the disagreement between us and him comes up. So he's, he's asking, how can f of x comma fyz be equal to f of f x y comma z if f y comma z has a different type than z. Yeah. Um, and then he asks, maybe we are using different definitions of associative. And I think he's right that we are because in in our thinking, um, uh, overloading, you know, f could be an overloaded function, right? That f could take um, uh, it could take either you know a pair as the second argument, or it could take um, uh, a scalar element. Um, but isn't I think that cheating? I feel like that's cheating. Is that like so? Like, isn't aren't we bending the definition of associative then? Y- yes, I mean, 
Uh, I think it's hard to say. Um, uh, I, like, isn't I, this in the ISO standard? Like, do we define what we mean by associative? And and I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it, it's really. It, but no, the question isn't what we define as associative here. Um, the question is, what do we define as an operation? Like, what do we define as f? If if we say that f is only a single overload, then yeah, this couldn't be um, associative. But if we say that f is an overload set, or if f is a function object, um, then sure, this this could be um, uh, associative. And I think I would even argue from um, from like a mathematical grounds, I don't see any reason that you couldn't define uh, a, a, a function this way. Um, you know, that there's 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 no reason to restrict yourself to uh, uh, just a, to, to to requiring that um, that the second parameter is just a single type. Um, and in fact, I would, I'd go a step further. Um, one of the tricks that I used in that maximum consecutive ones uh, in a couple of my little prototypes was relying on implicit conversions. Um, so this reduction that you're doing, it's a reduction over uh, what, like uh, a, a pair of int and then what's the data type? This is the data type like int for, for the input sequence. Yeah, basically it's, yeah. it's a pair of ints and one of them represents sort of a internal scan that we're doing and then right. the other int represents a maximum value over that scan, which the point is is that like when you have a scam followed by a reduction, you don't actually need to do the scan in terms of like writing to a linear amount yeah. of memory. You can just fuse those into a single reduction um so, so um you know one way that you could implement this operator is you could have one overload that takes um pair and then you know pair events and then int um and then you could have one overload that takes pair events and then pair events but you could also pick some sentinel value you know, um, what, what is what is the second pair like in this pair of ints? What what are the two thing? What are the two values that are represented? Uh, the first value in the pair is the maximum. So, like you yeah. see how we're doing a dot first at the very yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. That's our actual result that we're collecting, and then uh, the second value is the running sum that's sort of being floored at certain points in time. Um, so, so basically, so if you, if you were doing, if you were, if you wanted to take just a single element and construct one of these pairs from it, you could do that. Yeah, you would basically, yeah. you would just add it to the second one, and then you would set it as the first one as well, right. because that's going to be the maximum at that point in time, unless if it's negative, um, of course. So then, instead of instead of defining your operation as a associative operation over the set of like ints in the set of these pairs and having this problem of dealing with heterogeneous types, you could just think about your operation as being an operation that only operates on these pairs. 
and that you would just convert those the ints to mm. the pair. You just do a transformer. Yeah. Or... Yeah. And like 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 you know you could one you could actually do this in your implementation. You instead of using std pair, you could implement your own little struct type that has a constructor that takes a single int and it's a um, it's not an explicit constructor so that it will actually implicitly convert. You could do that. Um, but my point is really more that like this is a theoretical exercise that I think demonstrates that the operation is indeed associative um, and it can be associative over a single type if you make that single type this collection of pairs. Um, I do see his point, but I, I, I do think that he's wrong. I do think that this is an associative operation. And I think that um, uh, in the worst case, you could explain it as an associative operation over these, you know, these pairs. Right. But like I from him looking at the code where you see that it's, they're not both pairs, the binary operation yeah. has a pair on the left and an element on the right. It's definitely like when he asked the question, I was like, yeah, he seems right. But I know that we worked through this in the previous yeah. maximum consecutive ones. And we did that by overloading the function call operator. Yeah. And then my question was like, so either either. We're, like we've taken the word associative and sort of redefined it for our own sake, or um, you're allowed to call that op like if the operation can do different things, that is also a valid in terms of it being associative. Either way, I'm not sure which one's right, but well, well, Henrik, I mean, uh, this I, is for you, uh, or not? Sorry, Henrik, Henriksen, trolls, Henriksen. Uh, yeah, that's I guess the the answer. Do you, do you have a sense of whether which one it is? Like from do you, what do you think the mathematicians are saying that we're we're like uh, we're speaking blasphemy right now? And... I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I think um, overloading is such an intuitive part of C plus <laughs> plus. Uh, um, I, I I feel like somebody would clip that because uh, overloading, of course, can be a fairly complex. Um, aspect of C++ that can be hard to understand. But when I say it's intuitive, what I mean is it's a tool that we reach for so frequently that we take it for granted and that we don't perhaps even think about um, the um, all the implications of that. And let me, let me ta explain it a, a step further. Um, when we as C++ programmers talk about a um, uh, an operation, either you know an operation that's defined as functions, or maybe it's defined as a customization point object, but like a named operation, like um, std std reduce. Let's use this as an example. We think of that as a single entity, right? That's a single thing. Um, maybe we even say like it's a single function. Um, and I and I just I, I consciously avoided saying the word function when I was just describing that there, um, because I didn't want to um, uh, to add confusion to it. But in reality, the named thing stood colon colon reduce is actually multiple different overloads. Um, uh, it's 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 multiple different function definitions. Um, and that's how you implement it. And and another interesting aspect of this is that in some cases, when especially when you're dealing with um, uh, defaulted parameters, you have the choice where you could either say, I'm going to implement 
this function with a single overload that has defaulted parameters, or I'll implement it with you know multiple overloads um, uh, uh, without the default without the defaulted parameter. And the, there, the distinction between the two isn't really observable. And in fact, we give standard library implementers the freedom to to, to pick which of these um, uh, to, to pick to choose to do this um, either with more overloads or less overloads when they when they can when they have defaulted parameters. The point I'm getting at is that we we think about an overload set as being like one contiguous entity. Um, and that's not, you know, that's not always the case. Sometimes different overloads um, have different functionality. Um, we try to avoid that. We generally think that that's not good design. Um, in fact, one of, one of my key library design rules is that all of the overloads of a function should have the same semantics, the same general semantics. And likewise, all of the specializations of a, of a class template should have the same semantics and the same, the same set of member functions and the same interfaces. Mm. Um, because we're going to think of those things as being a single entity. But there's other ways in which overloads can be quirky too. Different overloads can return different things, um, uh, which can sometimes be surprising. Um, the parallel overload of for each returns void. The scalar overloads return the function object. The parallel versions, of course, can't return that function object because that function object um, uh, it may have been stateful, and like that's the reason why the 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 scalar version of um, or the sequential version of for each returns the, returns it is because you might have passed in some function object that was going to accumulate some data, and then you want to get it back later. Well, we we couldn't support that in the parallel version, so um, we didn't, and we didn't return you the function object because there was there was no reason for us to do that because there was nothing useful you could do with it. But that's a little funky to have a operation um, under one name that has two different return types. And likewise, um, you can have, you know, a variety of different parameters that a single named operation can take um, of a variety of different types. And I think we perhaps take it for granted that operations work like that in C++. And maybe this fellow, um, coming from a, it sounds like a more Haskell background and a background from other programming languages, maybe in his mind, a named function or a single operation should be something that has a, a, you know, the same signature. And so maybe mm. that's what, what was bothering him. Um, but uh, well, I, I could yeah. see I could see even even coming from a like similar background. But you're like, I, I'm not a, a, a trained mathematician, so I'm not sure in the world of mathematics what they consider like the definitive definition of associative. And um, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if um, many mathematicians saw that, you know, the pair on like not even just type A on one side and type B on another side yeah. and said, well, clearly that's not associative. Um, I, I think if you looked at the math definition, yeah, I think if you looked at the math definition, it would have to be associative defined on some set of, of objects. 
and that set of things shouldn't be heterogeneous. Um, but I'm not really sure um, because it, uh, the, 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 the definitions of associative in the math world that I'm familiar with work like that, but it's possible that there are more complex definitions of associative uh, that do have a notion of, you know, heterogeneity. But I, I definitely think that at the very least, you could define the set of objects that this operation operates on as being those pairs, not the ints and the pairs. Right, and then right. You, you've solved your problem. Right. I, uh, we should put, I feel like we should put a disclaimer on the, our website. We do have a website, by the way. We never mention it, but it's uh, adsp.thepodcast.com. And maybe we should call it the title of this episode. Like, surprise, uh, we are not mathematicians. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have a math degree. I have I mean, a math degree. I studied actuarial science, which is like in in the math world, but uh, <laughs> but um, you know I feel like we're too. Bryce has just run off to go get something, but I'm going to continue to talk. But uh, I feel like we're we're two developers that are math inclined, but you know we're talking about the de- definition of associativity and opining on it when really we should just have a math person on and uh, we should have a we should oh ADSP should have like a like so if you study pure mathematics um you or maybe you should, maybe uh, Lisa Lippincott would be great for that oh, yeah, she'd be uh, great. You, she, I, I think we, you should narrate what I'm doing by the way all right I'll start doing that so Lisa you probably don't listen but if you are listening uh would you want to be our math consultant and every couple of, well a couple <laughs> we will accrue our math questions and then have you on every once in a while um and also too Lisa's got a crazy fascinating story it'd be awesome to have her on just for yeah. her to I'm sure she has some crazy stories similar to Sean um uh, so yeah, narrating. I don't actually know. Bryce has got a package that's or it's something he's wrapped up. You can hear in the background. He's got this, scissors. This There's actually, a thirty-seven percent chance he's going to stab himself. Um, these are these are very nice scissors, by the way. These are yeah, of course they are. They're I'm sure they're imported scissors. imported from Italy. They've got they're, mahogany they're hand a mahogany imported, handle imported from Japan. They don't have a mahogany handle, but they are high carbon steel. They're very good. <laughs> the fact the fact that even Bryce has to clarify that his scissors don't have mahogany a uh, mahogany handle is like the perfect summary of uh... <laughs> so so this um this actually I, I this didn't come in the stuff that that just arrived yesterday this this traveled with me but this is my Louisiana State University diploma and uh, can you read that it says uh, Louisiana State University and Agricultural and Mechanical College on the nomination of the faculty of the College of Science has conferred upon Bryce Alexander. Whoa, I didn't know you had a second middle name, Adelstein Lelbach. Actually, I think I did know that. Um, the degree of Bachelor of Science with all the honors, rights, and privileges of that degree appertaining. You got to move it up a little bit. Oh yeah! Wait, wait! Shit! It, it it doesn't say that. Doesn't say what my major was. <laughs> Crap! Well, <laughs> I you assure you, I assure you, I had a major in applied mathematics. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and have a great day.